the title of this message is, There But For The Grace Of God Go I. And I've got, I've got some teaching to give you. So I, I explained some of this this morning and someone, Julie said, you've got to explain, you've got to teach this at night because we're asking hugely of our young people to believe in this radical notion called the church. And it is radical. It opposes everything the world tells you. And, and, and literally, it, it's, it's an amazing day when you can pull yourself up out of the systems of the world and the values of the world and you can turn out of that and you can look to God and say, my God, He is my creator. He loves me. He's altogether beautiful. He's wonderful. He's got a plan for me. And Lord, what? You've written me in your book and you have a remarkable life for me? My God, how is it possible? It cannot be possible, you're thinking in your natural mind, because what you have ultimately probably become in the world is maybe somewhat normal. But the Bible says, the Bible says, in your weakness, he can be strong. Meaning in all your inability to offer God, to offer the church, to offer anyone, God can use that inability, that weakness, and he can give you ability. Now you've seen that. If anyone's belonged to the church over any given time, you've seen people. I remember the first day when I spoke over TJ's life, he didn't even play an instrument. I said, you're going to play an instrument. You're going to sing. I can even see you being a worship leader. Do you remember that? When you come into the life of the church, TJ was Mr. Normal. He's just an average young teenager. And I prophesied over him. I said, you will. God shall. It can. And, and see that, just that. Man, if you can do that for someone, you can bail them out of a normal life. You can bail them out of a despondency in life where they think, I'm no good for nothing. And you can point to them and say, God purposed you from the very beginning. He, he, he wrote you in his book even before he made you in your mother's womb. He's got a good plan for you, a good purpose for you. You've got to discover that. Let me help you. If you can say that with a little bit of gumption, with a bit of authority, with a bit of faith, if you can say that like their life depends on it, if you can say that like you really believe it, that Jesus Christ can make a difference, you can save people from you know, a lost eternity. Do you know what I'm saying? You've got to really believe this stuff. You've got to really believe it. And then when you come into the life of the church, the church is talking about vision and talking about, you know, not going with the tide of humanity and the, the world systems, the world values, you know. And it talks about those things, a lot of those things, and a lot of the, the beliefs and a lot of the, I guess, the values are, are, are somewhat sus, in fact. And we do very, we, we'd be very, uh, I, I guess, wise to be very careful how the world, you know, what would it proposition you with and what would it tell you and what would it want you to be? And so, you know, I guess ultimately we want to we wanna be who God wants us to be and we want to please Him because this life only lasts so long and then for eternity <laughs> we've got to be with God. <laughs> And we've got to snap out of it one day. And one of, the big, one of the big reality checks that every human being has is that we meet with Jesus when we die and we give an account for our life. One of the greatest things you can do, young people, 
is, is serve, the, serve the church and build the church and give your time, your talent, your treasure to the church. When you discover that, your life will be so blessed. It will be optimized humongously, amazingly. The lights will come on and God will flood your life with real life, life that you wouldn't believe. So I talked, I want to, okay, so I want to say this, that on Vision Sunday, we're going to say, this is our vision. Who wants to connect with that? Who wants to give to that? Who wants to serve that? And it's a challenge, man. To build a church takes a lot of relentlessness. That's how we got here right now. We didn't buy a church sort of kit. Went online, eBay. Oh, look at these kits, man. Let's buy one of these. We'll put one of these in Tagra. No, 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 no. It came from blood, sweat, and tears. But it came from this word I want to repeat a couple of times tonight. Relentlessness of spirit, persevering, enduring, however you want to say it. So I want to tease that out. I want to tease out this part, that you can start good, but it's how you finish Solomon started real well, rich, awesome displays of God's glory, God's will performed through his life. And he fell to the fallen idols of the world. And we don't want to do that because that'll affect our children's children. That'll affect the people around us. Amen? We don't want to do that. We want to serve God, get his blessings on us, and then we want to give that blessing away. So it's, it's still the same theme of this year, knowing God and letting him be known to all the peoples around. The only way I can let people know about God is really getting God on me. And that's called grace. And that's called the message. And that's really about the message tonight. So can I take you through some scripture tonight? Amen. I've broken the ice pretty well. Um, I want to give a prophetic story. I wasn't, but I think I will. And it's a prophetic story of this. Okay. So I'll, I'll premise this, that this is a story of, say, a Christian, and he's in a boat, and he's rowing against the tide, the current of the systems and the values of the world, the corruption of the world. As you know, um, the world is corrupt. It was corrupted way back, and sin is on the planet. That's what causes us all this heartache. Even the earthquakes, even the pestilence, even the poverty... And even all that stuff and more, the broken marriages, the, 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 the cancer, the sickness, the, the poverty, all that is about sin. It's not God's fault. We were given permission to rule and reign on this planet and make this planet like heaven. But we blew it. We abdicated our responsibility to bring God's kingdom to pass on this world. And we relinquished it into Satan's hands. Now... If that freaks you out, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. So Satan has a lot of play throughout all the world, through the nations, through the government, through the financial systems and all that. We won't go there. But listen, what God's given to us as born-again believers, we can overcome. We can overcome the enemy. We can overcome these things. And we can stand and finish well, but be relentless in our determination to be saved at the end of the day. So how many friends got saved last year and not are in the house now? It's great to start, start well. Bang, they got saved. But it's really about continuing the journey 
in God. And to do that, you need help. I'm here tonight to give you that help. Is that cool? Come on. So how do you do it, Pastor Phil? How do you live this remarkable life of doing what God's called you to do, to build a church, to see people saved and to build teams and, um, and to take ground for God and to oppose the enemy and to birth a church and all that and plus. How did you do that? How did you pray year in, year out? How, did, how do you give? I still don't get it. How do you people give? Some guy last week gave $10,000 in the life of this church to vision builders. How does he do that? Some, uh, someone bought us a projector, $3,000 projector last week. How does that happen? Help me. Do you know what I'm saying? And I want, to, I want to help you with that. Who wants to know how we do this life? Because you need help. It's not done by being good, being a goody two-shoes. It's not done by, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. No, it's all done by the empowering presence of God. When we feel the empowering presence of God, man, look out. I become someone else, man. Um, man, I become, um, I become a hero. You know, a superhero. So when you see me during the week, I'm Clark Kent. But right now, I'm Superman. You're seeing a different version of me. I'm telling you. You're seeing a whole different version of me. Because the normal me wouldn't be doing this. All right? I'd be reading a book, walking through the bush, being very reclusive. Because that's the way I am. But when the Holy Ghost comes on me, He turns me inside and out. And He uses, he uses the weaknesses, the inability that, that I have... And he gives me great ability to do what I'm called, what you're called to do. Is that, is that cool? Gee whiz. I've got so much to say on this. I don't know how... Uh, all I know is this. Come on, we'll get to some scripture. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says, Finishing is better than starting. Finishing is better than starting. And it's absolutely right. I want everyone in this house to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what everyone can hear when you go to be with Jesus and give an account for your life. How do we do it? How do we quiet this relentless spirit? And why is it so important? Jesus actually says that not all the believers are going to finish well. And we spoke about Solomon. We spoke about he didn't finish real well. He fell to the idols of the world. John the Baptist did. He, he, he stuck with it right to the end, even though he, he got it. He stuck with it, man. He said, this is, I'm called, I'm relentless, I'm not giving up. I don't care what the king thinks. This is, this is the truth. I've drawn a line in the sand. So don't try, and, don't try and, you know, talk to us about going back to Egypt or, or not building the church or, or doing something. We, we're going to please God and we're going to do that. I'm going to do that until my... To my 19th birthday, I'll be building and preaching and helping the church. And, uh, and that, that's, the way, that's the way it is. It's a relentless spirit. Because when I got saved, uh, you were given that relentless spirit inside. you know what I'm saying? You were given that. So let me just give you this prophetic vision. A man of God had a vision of a man rowing a boat against the rivers. Strong current. He was straining hard to advance against the flow of the water. So the flow of the water is what? The currents of the world. The world is going like this. It's flowing. And you can go with it or you can oppose it. So again, I'll start. A man of God, and this is a prophetic vision. A man had a vision and saw this vision. He saw it in his mind's eye. He had a, he had a vision. He saw it. And it's a warning to the church. 
And it goes like this. A man of God had a vision of a man rowing a boat against the river's strong current. He was straining hard to advance against the flow of the water. A tough task, but doable. Other boats, bigger, luxurious, containing parties of people, frequently passed him flowing downstream. The people on these boats were laughing and drinking and at ease. Occasionally they would look over at the man battling the current and mock him. He had to fight for every inch of progress while they did absolutely nothing for theirs. After a while, the man grew weary of pressing against the current. Tired and discouraged, he put up the oars. For a few moments, he continues to drift upstream from the momentum, but soon came to a standstill. Then something sad and terrible happened. Though still pointed upstream, his rowboat began to drift downstream with the current. Soon the man noticed another party boat. This one was different from the other boat, for like his own rowboat, this party boat also was pointed upstream, yet was flowing downstream with the current. The boat also carried people who were laughing and socializing and at ease. So it was pointed upstream, the direction the man had wanted to go. He decided to hop on and join on with it. They now became a close-knit group, unlike the other party boats that faced and traveled downstream. This boat pointed upstream, but sadly, it continued flowing downstream with the current. What is the interpretation of this vision? He believed the river represents the world, and the rowboat is our human body that enables us to live and function in the world. The man in the rowboat is a believer. His oars symbolize God's unmerited grace. The party boats depict those joined in one purpose and the river's current represents the flow of the world which is under the sway of the evil one. By the oars of grace, the man has the ability to resist the current and move upstream to his destiny in advancing the kingdom of God. Who wants to do that? His physical strength represents his faith. Sadly, his strength wanes and he grows weary in his faith. He doesn't think he has what it takes when in reality he does. Now, right there is what I want to speak about tonight. You think you're weary. You think you don't want to come to church. You think you don't want to give. You think you don't want to worship. You think you don't want to go to Bible college. But guess what? God has given us grace to empower us to do all this great stuff. Goes on. Consequently, he eventually runs out of steam and quits, this man. Once the man quits rowing, the boat continues moving forward upstream for a short time due to sheer momentum. And this is where deception moves in. He, sees, he still sees some fruit in his life, even though what produced is no longer propels him. He erroneously thinks he can live at ease, no longer alert and vigilant, and still lead a successful Christian life. While the boat does point upstream, it looks fine, a good Christian appearance, but in reality, we are conforming to the world. 1 John 2, 14. You ready for some word? I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. So we're talking about being an overcomer. We're talking about ruling and reigning. 1 John 2, 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. It, now, help me. It doesn't talk about we, we hate the world and become, what is it, Amishes, you know, we're living, you know, in a little community. It just says, man, we just say, look, we see this stuff all around us, but actually we don't subscribe to it. We don't subscribe to ripping people off and gossip and talking about people and being critical and tearing people down. We don't subscribe to that. That happens all around us, 
but we don't buy into that. Amen? As Christians. And so we respect our parents. We don't dishonor our parents. We respect them. All these things. We pay our taxes. Praise God. We do that. We do these things because we are not falling under the sway of the values of the, of the world. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but the man who does the will of God lives forever. Well, I just want to say that we at C3 Tugger, we want to do the will of God. Vision Sunday is about the will of God. It's about doing what lasts for eternity. Actually, what you're doing right now, that's in eternity. I'm not sure what you did for the rest of the day, but, you know, uh, right now you are honoring God. You're in the house of God, just where he wants you. And that is eternity. That, that is a credit to you in eternity. So Apostle Paul talks about this. And this, uh, some people think grace is easy. I'm saved by grace. Now I can just check out and take it easy. I'm saved. It's a free gift. We've heard that. We heard that this morning. It's a free gift. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. But actually, there is a whole premise and a truth that if you don't apply yourself, James says, unless uh, your faith has deeds, it's dead. We've got to see something in your life that shows God that you really mean. If I just stood before Julie and went like this, Oh, I'm just so enamored, so in love. You're just so wonderful. And I didn't even say that. I just looked at her like that. I mean, she'd be second-guessing, man, if I did really love her. You know what I mean? If I kept on doing that, I'd find myself being distant, distanced from her. I'd find myself growing distanced, distanced. And so this analogy of the boat and rowing for me is fantastic. Because the, the, the oars are like these giant big oars. And it's not like a feverish, oh, I'm saved now, I've got a, there's a waterfall bef- behind me. Oh! It's not like that. It's just like, man, these oars I've been given. I can actually turn against the world's influence on me, put them in the water, and man, these oars. I don't know if you've ever used oars. Who's ever used oars? They are awesome, man. When you lose your oar, you really know it. Trust me. Oh, no, my oar. It happens to the girls all the time. It's floating. Oh, how'd you lose the oar? Why didn't you tell me you lost your oar? I was wondering why we're going around circles. Oh, I didn't want to tell you. I think that's happened to someone. And, and you're just rowing, man. Man, I became a Christian. All I'm doing is praying an hour Every week, I come to church once, and, and man, I feel like I'm now, man, I feel like I'm coming out of the clutches of the, of the enemy, and I feel like I'm going upstream into the, into the things of God and into my destiny, into the plans of God. This man is easy. I thought these oars would be heavy. I thought these oars would be really hard to use, but you know what? It's easy. Man, I can even read my Bible. Do you know what? I couldn't even read my Bible. Man, I don't know what's happening for me, but something is helping me. God is giving me great ability to live this so-called Christian life. Paul says it like this in Philippians 3.14, I press on toward forward 
the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Apostle John wrote as a warning to us, maybe 1 John 2.16, practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. 17, the world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So basically, in this vision, you like that? In this vision, there's three different types of people. Okay, the believer, the unbeliever, and the deceived. So just remember that. 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says this. Here's another checkup scripture. Test yourself to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Here's another checkup scripture. You like that? Lift up your tired hands then and strengthen your trembling knees. Keep walking in straight paths. What are the straight paths? I believe they're the paths of grace. Guard against turning back from the grace of God. So we don't want to get into a works program. We don't want to start struggling. We want to have those beautiful big oars. And we just want to gently pray, read our Bible, come to church, and begin to take our life upstream in God. Who's with me on that? Who understands that? If you stop rowing, you will go back. Even though you've got Christian friends around you, and you've got some momentum, you've got blessed and whatever, you will eventually go back and then you'll realize, oh my God, Niagara Falls right behind me. Two words. That's not looking good. So you don't want to step out of the grace of God. You don't want to lift up your oars and drift in the current of the world systems. You just, uh, what is a relentless spirit? Okay, here we go. A relentless spirit is this. It's an attitude, a posture that is resolute, persistent, unyielding. It does not relent or concede. It's steadfast, unstoppable, tenacious, even dogged, gritty, persistent, single-minded. Nothing will deter him or her from their goal. Do you know anyone like that? I know people in this church. I think Frank's one of those guys. And listen, if you've received Jesus Christ, that virtue is in you. It's in you to live this life. It's in there. When you got saved, you got it, you received it. You have now this extraordinary ability to live the remarkable life. Do you know what I'm saying? Listen, do you realize that God has such a great plan for you to live out of the normalcy of your life? Do you know that God has such a great, wonderful life for you to be of an influence in your wherever place, wherever you live, wherever you go to school, go to work? God, you are an influence. He does not want you to be of no effect. He wants you to have an effect. Yeah, I knew there was something about that girl. Man, she just has got such a peace. Man, nothing troubles her. Oh, she's so beautiful. She's got such a smile. Oh, she's so kind. Oh, she's not bitchy like everyone else. She's just so beautiful. What is it? Oh, she goes to church. Oh, she's a Christian. Oh, right. She's one of those. (laughs) Psalm 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He has got something written in his book. And it's not a boring, ordinary life. It's an extraordinary life, a dramatic life, a remarkable life. Does it surprise you that your heavenly Father has such 
a wonderful life for you. I want to ask you that tonight. Does it surprise you that he wants you to live a most remarkable life? Maybe TJ's realizing that, well, boy, I thought I was, but man, maybe God has something so much more for me. And so you young people go to Bible college and you receive revelation and you start to walk in the grace of God. And then you begin to sing, you begin to preach, you begin to do things that you know you knew you could never do, but in God you can. Hebrews 12.1 exhorts each of us, exhorts each of us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, relentlessly enduring, persevering the race marked out for us. Guys, there's no other way to run this race. It's by a relentless spirit. It's not joy. We don't do it. We go, Jesus is fun. It's not serious doesn't say run with seriousness, run with joy, run with happiness. It says run, run with a relentless spirit. Run with some grit and determination that you are going forward. You're not going back. Do you know what I'm saying? I got saved. That's it. I'm moving on. I'm not going back to the nightclub. I'm not going back to that stuff. I'm not going back to that bitchiness. I'm not going back to that stuff. I'm going on in God. I want my best life. Thank you very much. You got to do that. It's gritty. You got to, got to man up. <laughs> Woman up. <laughs> Hebrews twelve one says, "Do you not see what it means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. Look around you. They're surrounding you right now, man. You haven't seen us in five years of a tent, pu- putting up, pulling it down, and setting up equipment, pulling it down. You haven't seen us in the two school halls that we were there, not giving up, persistent, resilient, resolute." doing what God has called us to do, knowing that God had called us to birth a church. And that's what we were about, pioneering people, taking ground. So you can, you can come to this place and receive this wonderful blessing of being in a building. Now, there's another version of churches still in rented buildings. Church is not willing to pay that price, but we put our hand up and say, we'll do that, we'll, we'll do that, give us some shovels. Give us some, we'll pioneer. We'll cut some trees down, bring the water up from the river, and we'll build a church. We don't care how much it costs. We're going to build. We're going to be resilient and resolute to pray, to give, to love God, to build His church. We're not backing off, Gail. We're going to do it in Jesus' strength, but not in our own strength. Otherwise, we would, wouldn't be here. Do you know what I'm saying? We would be burned out. All these pioneers who blaze the way, all the veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get out, get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Do you like that? <laughs> Basically, we've got a rule in life. That was my next point, ruling in life, being an overcomer. You were created to make a difference. You're a child of the king, destined to rule on his behalf. The key to the kingdom is in your pocket. So how do we live this remarkable life? of this relentlessness of pursuing God, loving God, and building His kingdom. Okay, let's have a look at this, and we're talking about grace now. Romans 5.17. Do you mind if I start to motor mouth now? Because my time is gone. All who receive God's abundant grace, say abundant grace, and are freely put right with Him, will rule in life through Christ. That's right. This talks about us ruling in life through all the oppositions of life. And, And, you know, the Apostle John made a strong statement to us when he said this, 
1 John 2, 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Christ did. Now, Christ ruled in life. He made a big difference. Who can say amen to that? He ruled in life. He was able to pose all the, all the, the corruption around him, all the devils around him. He was able to walk into a town and bring great influence of the kingdom and bring everlasting change to people's life. Who wants to do that? Who wants to see the church do that? Do you want to do that personally? Do you want to walk into someone's life and change their life forever? Do you want to walk into a house and change their life forever? Do you want to come to a church that has changed the very fabric of Tugra and Wyong and it's true, we have. We've changed it. We're ruling and reigning. What we have takes ground. It opposes the devil. It pushes back darkness. And we bring in God's kingdom. We bring in God's light. Who's into that? It's all about ruling and reigning. John 14, 12 says that the truth is anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. John 14, 12. So the logical question right now, how do we rule in life? Where does his power come from? Glad you asked. Romans 5.17, down the home straight. All who receive God's abundant grace are freely put right with him to rule in life through Christ. Does it not say that? Rule in life through Christ. They did a big survey through America, tens of thousands of people that went to church, spirit-filled, Bible-reading Christians, and they asked them, what does grace mean to you? And they three answers that came was one salvation that's true unmerited gift an unmerited gift undeserved gift true three forgiveness of sins but i want to say to you the most important thing that they didn't get is this the empowering grace of god's spirit it's true ephesians 2 8 says it is for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it's the gift of god not by works, so that no one can boast for we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do did i say good works did i say god has prepared in advance something for you to do my friend he's got something extraordinary for each and every one of us to do it's so true and it's so true that salvation is received by grace and thank God for that. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him we have redemption through the, His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches, hello, of God's grace. Now, we've got to be careful we don't go into works. And, and Paul says he, and he reprimands the Galatian church by saying, Guys, you're starting to get into the flesh. You're starting to get into a works program. Galatians 5.4 says, I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens when you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects. That means out of the will of God, out of the grace of God. You are cut off from the Christ. You fall out of grace, says in the Message Bible. And of course, what the survey proved that believers didn't know is that grace is God's empowerment. And uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is all you need, for my power is greater when you are weak. What does weak mean? It's used in that scripture passage as this. It means inability. God in your inability is strong to perform what he wants to do through your life. God is saying, my grace, power is optimum when you face situations that are beyond your ability to handle. This is seen in Paul's comments regarding the Macedonian believers who, as you know, there's a great giving section in there. How were they to give? How was C3 Tugra able to give? How was this Macedonian church able to give? Now, Paul says this. He says this. We make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the 
churches of Macedonia on C3 Tagore. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, so I'm talking about we've done things in the life of this church beyond our ability. Who can say amen to that? We've pulled things off. Look at this. Man, this wasn't us. This is God. This is God's ability. This is God. This by the grace of God go we. Amen. I don't know how we got here, but it was amazing. All we did was obey God and had faith, and we accessed this portal of grace. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they gave. God's grace had made it possible for the Macedonian Christians to go beyond their own ability. And that grace was God's empowerment. Paul defines the grace of God in this same way. 2 Peter 1, 2 says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 2 Peter 1.3 says, In His divine power, that is grace, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory. That's potent, that man. You're wondering how to live a godly life. You're wondering how to stop swearing. You're wondering how to live a decent life. You're wondering how to have a decent thought life. You're wondering how to, to be nice, to be good, to be generous, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It is by this, in His divine power, grace has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. His divine power. Don't you love that? Everything we need to live a godly life has already been given to us. We've just got to access it. I'm done. The Bible tells us that Barnabas arrived at C3 Tugger, I mean Antioch, and saw the evidence of the grace of God. He was glad. Acts 11.23 says. He comes, into, he comes into Antioch and he says, Oh, these guys are really doing it in the Spirit by grace. And he comes and he sees. He just doesn't hear. But he sees what this church is doing in Antioch. And he goes, My God. How does this C3 church do what they do? How do they financially survive? How do they do what they do? How do they save people? How do they put large events on? How have they got the largest youth group on the central coast? How, how, how? I tell you how. It's by the grace of God. God's great ability. In our weakness, He is strong. This is why James writes, Show me your faith, grace. So I'll put in grace there. Show me your grace without your works, and I'll show you my faith grace by my works James 2 2 18 a definition of grace would go like this lastly grace is God's free empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability I love that and I got to read it again because I got blessed grace is God's free empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability John 1 16 says from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. And remember this for your homework. Grace allows us to be partakers of the divine nature of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, 2, 4. Let's stand. God bless you. You've been very patient. That was quite a potent message, but I mean, it was, it's powerful. How are we relentless? How is... Okay, listen to me. How does Jesus' culture perpetually do what they do? How do they express their pure passion for God? Are they doing that in their own strength? How do they come up with so much music? How, do, how are they pursuing God, Jesus' culture? How are they doing this stuff? I would like to say they are doing it by the empowering presence of God's grace. 
I would say that. How is this now the worship leader having a baby? How is she going to have a baby and worship lead? She's doing it in the empowering presence of God's grace. These people have real lives. So Father, let's lift our hands right now. I declare this house alive and to subscribe to God's empowering grace. Lord, we're saved by faith. Free gift of salvation has been given to you and I. But can I tell you this? Begin to row. Begin to row against the current of the world's values and systems that would love to take you downstream. Just get your Bible out every now and then. We're not talking about rowing feverishly on a treadmill. We're talking about just gently rowing. Man, you can even stop rowing sometimes and just you just keep going. But get those oars back out, big, wonderful oars that go deep down in God's love and just begin to row and go upstream into God's purposes and plans and God's destiny for your best life. Your life is written in His book even before you were made in your mother's womb. He's got such a brilliant, remarkable life for you. I pray this as your eyes are closed that you would understand that there is a future and a hope for you, a future and a hope that if you lay hold of God, receive Him as Lord and Savior and walk out your days in grace, there but for the grace of God go I. If you walk it out in His presence, you will be empowered, turned inside out. All these great abilities will come to bear. Things you never knew you could do, things you never thought you could serve God with are in you, laying dormant until you say, God, I have faith. I want my best life. I access grace.